Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moss and Friends. We are here with one of our favorite people, Ben Mazeras, who is a design lead with over two decades of experience creating beautiful product design for some of the biggest tech firms in the world, including, but not limited to Netflix, Facebook, Microsoft, Instagram, Salesforce, all the places. And we know him through the design world in various ways. We've done indoor activities. We've done outdoor activities. We have gotten a ton of guidance from him around Moss and agency life and what it is like to go through the ups and downs of working in tech. And we're just super excited to chat today and learn a little bit more about Ben. This is going to be slightly less health focused than normal, but I think that Ben has so much to share uh, that we just really wanted to to have this conversation and, and to share it with you all. So yeah, no, I think that kind of sums it up really well. Um, he's been a huge uh, mentor for us as we started Moss. And I think for anybody else that's interested in starting a business, having his input and advice is really valuable. Uh, so if you want to add some color to that, Ben, and if you want to tell us a little bit more about you, <laughs> welcome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It is great to be here. Good to hear both your voices. It's been a lonely year and I love this, this kind of time. So thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I think I am only here because other incredible people in the design community were really gracious with their time and didn't look at other designers as competition, but as other designers as people and as a community. And that planted seeds in my heart to want to help other people in any way I could, because sometimes running a business is really tough. And sometimes design isn't super straightforward or easy. And um, working with clients is an art form and something that doesn't come naturally to lots of folks. And you know, a lot of people get into the design business because they're good at design, but then you got to do all this other stuff, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I am glad that, that you've had some value out of our relationship and time together and looking forward to learning a lot from you both as well. I already have. So. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'd love to start and just kind of give everyone a little bit of context in, as to how you got into design and what sort of kept you here for, for such a long time and, and specifically on the client sort of side of things. And in right, I almost would describe it as like kind of the crossfire when it comes to some projects, right? Like you're in it and you get all the best and the worst of, of what the industry and the, the disciplines have to offer. Would you, does that feel like a fair statement or does that feel a bit melodramatic? <laughs> <laughs> it feels more cathartic than melodramatic, uh, <laughs> hearing other people recognize the, the reality. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been doing design life on the agency side for a long time. I started out working at a record store and managing a record store. And then that paid absolute beans and didn't have benefits. And I grew up like just enough to realize I should probably have insurance. So then I went to a coffee shop that gave insurance. And then I worked there just long enough to realize I need to make more money than this, or I won't be able to survive. And so I went back to school and studied, gosh, uh, critical communications was the first thing that I dove into. And I loved it. 
um, a bunch of like Marshall McLuhan, uh, which we were talking about earlier today at work. And that got me really interested in building products that are equitable in the world and that make a good impact. Cause at the time it was like, you know, MySpace and, and Facebook were just barely a thing. And there were lots of questions about like, what's this going to do to the world? And, and so I thought like, I want to be a part of what this is. I want to be a part of doing good design work here that is ethical and that considers broad implications that people are talking about at a scholarly level, but I'm not sure if they're talking about at a company level. So I graduated, got a job at an agency and have been here ever since. So this is my third agency technically at OM and I have done the whole gamut. And that comes from working at a small firm one, you know, like the last firm I was at, I, I came on board and we were five or six people. And at that level, you sort of wear all the hats to do all the things. And I was good at working with people, good at solving problems with clients. And so I spent a lot of time like figuring out, uh, with potential clients, if they were a good fit for us and working on what that might look like for both parties and then, you know, molding and developing those relationships into the products we built and then helping to lead those products and just sort of like keeping every project and like overseeing it and, you know, treating it like my own child, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which comes with all that stress. So yeah, it's been, I think your assessment is, is correct. You know, uh, sort of like in the middle of it, if there's a client issue, I'm the first person to show up and the last person to leave most of the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And we have grown, I think in how much we understand and respect the people, all the people, whether it's, you know, those on the phone, when you call a company for support or those who are, you know, working in sales and trying to communicate messaging and, and the value of products. I think anyone who is dealing with problems and working with people all the time. And we were just talking about this before we started the podcast. It just takes an enormous amount of energy and something that stands out to us about who you are and how you show up to the industry and on Twitter and all the places is just that you are, you seem to be very values driven. And I think that for me personally, and I know for Sarah, that energy, that amount of energy that you have available to put towards something and how much it aligns with your values or, or sort of, it feels um, like a good use of your time. Like those things sort of have a relationship. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about what your experience has been like, just orienting yourself or understanding better what it means to, if does values driven feel like the right phrase? I'm, I'm just interested to hear it kind of in your words, but sort of the relationship between those things. Yeah. I'm the sort of person and I hate talking about myself this much, but I guess I'm the guest on the podcast. So here we go. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the sort of person that like sits somewhere in the middle between being fairly emotional and empathetic and, and really logical. And those parts of me battle all of the time. And so I care a lot about what's going on in the world and what's going on with 
the people around me and what's going on in the companies in which I work. And then the logical part of my brain is trying to like figure out how to solve all those problems or, or reconcile the emotional part of work and the empathetic part of work with the logical strategic parts of work. But what that I think eventually led to is a realization that like having a really good understanding of what my values are and what that means for my life, for my work and how I parent and how, you know, how I'm a dad, how I'm a husband, all these things are really important for understanding like what my core values are so that I can make good decisions and put all of that energy into, you know, consistent decisions that will make a, you know, proper impact in the areas I care the most about, which are like work and family and friends, you know? So, you know, I had recently switched jobs to a different agency and I left my last agency because of um, many reasons and they're a fantastic agency and they're doing incredible work. But one of the things that sort of became clear over time was that my, my personal values and how that applies to work weren't completely aligned with the firm where I was working and that's okay. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with having a difference of values or things that you care about or things that you're focused on between different people, that's okay. But the things that I cared the most about, the things that I valued in life, those things were different or sometimes at odds with where I was working. So I ended up like just leaving my job altogether um, and spent a few months trying to understand and really define what my values were it did not seem like the smartest decision to leave my job in the middle of a pandemic without having another job, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty stressful, you know, but I thought that the time would be well used to reflect on and understand my own values and then set a path for what that, what those values meant for my future. So I sort of thought about it in like three stages. Like I'm going to take some time, write down my own, like rewrite my own personal values and mission and vision statements. And then I'm going to use that compass to plot the course that I'm going to be taking in the future and then find out who it is that I am going to work with. And whether it's starting my own thing or working with another company or going in-house, I wanted to make sure that whatever that was fit with this compass that I was building. And that compass was just like tied and, and rooted in the values that I, I have that led me to leave my last company. So I wrote them out. I printed them off and I slapped them on the wall. And I can now just recite it from memory that I'm here to graciously help other design teams do the best work of their lives. And I, am a strong, intelligent, capable, and kind person who is going to apply each one of those things wherever I go. And so I took those things and I went to a bunch of different companies and a bunch of different agencies and was really honest about them and asked, are you the kind of person that fits with this? And I had known OM and Rob from 
small agency world and sort of like with both of you having a relationship where we would talk and bounce ideas off each other and commiserate over hard issues. We had stayed in touch over the years and I had an honest conversation with Rob and said, you know, this is what I care about. This is where I'm going. This is my experience in the past. What do you think? And it was like three or four months of us sort of like talking and figuring things out before it was finally like, yeah, this is the right thing. And we're like, Rob was very obviously values aligned with the things I cared about. And it wasn't just lip service, you know, like I could see it in the structure of the company, the people who worked there. I could see the values that Rob and Lisa have through the work that they did. So I felt really comfortable joining up and, um, you know, four months in, it seems, seems to be a good choice. So that's so exciting. First of all, congratulations. I know, like you said, the, I think the last time we spoke with you, you were sort of in the middle of that whole process Mm -hmm. and really excited and also nervous to commit time and energy into something that I'm not sure if that's a sort of process you've seen modeled before or you've experienced elsewhere of that sort of like pause, take time to reevaluate my values and then find that path forward. Or if that's something that you said, this feels right to me. And I think I wonder looking back on it now and for people who might be in a similar position, because, you know, just for for context, whenever and wherever you're listening to this in the world. Like, I think this is something that a lot of people are coming up against right now and are starting to feel like as some companies that shall not be named make big grand statements about what it's okay to talk about at work, what it's okay to think and care about sort of within workspaces and out loud, uh, people are going, is mine going to make a statement like that? If they do, what would I do? Um, And am I okay with them? So I wonder to take it back to the question, like reflecting on your journey, what advice you'd give someone who's in a similar position and just how you feel now reflecting. Yeah. I would add to like, you know, if they don't have the opportunity or luxury to like take time off, what can they do to kind of overcome that, or if they're in a company that's known for like really, you know, suspicious ethical issues. And a lot of times I know, especially in the design world, some people can look down on designers for that when they might not have that, you know, privilege to like move forward right away. Do you have any advice for people in that space too? Yes. Um, Man, this is, this is really hard and I'll, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I'll name them Basecamp and and uh, Coinbase. They <laughs> released some troubling things, you know. I think, gosh, there's so much to unpack here. Here's the reality: we spend the vast majority of our time at work. Like that's where you spend most of your life is at work. And to pretend that you have to like cut out chunks of yourself and put it aside when you come to work. I don't think it's particularly realistic. It's not reasonable for sure. And it's, it's just not a realistic ask. It was like, put aside the fact that how do we define like a political thing anyway, you know? Um, Cause that's what we're talking about here is like 
people saying you can't bring politics to work, um, which means that you also like can't bring your values to work. That that a is I don't think is possible because we spend so much of our time at work and we bring so much of our lives to work. So that's the first thing. It's like I just I just don't think it's possible to do that. The second thing is like most of the time that somebody says I don't want you to bring your values to work. I don't want you to bring your politics to work. It just means that they just don't agree with what your values or what your positions are, which is in and of itself, a, a, you know, a political statement. So it's kind of, it's kind of like saying there is no ultimate truth. And that is in and of itself an ultimate truth. Like you just, it's circular logic that doesn't play out. So I think a lot of people right now are obviously faced with in our world without Basecamp or Coinbase even making these sorts of claims or, or putting these sorts of policies in place, there's a heightened awareness around important issues and increasing dialogue around important issues. And those issues are so pervasive in everyday life, things like racism, those things don't stop at the door. Those you, you can't put a policy that's in place that says like we're going to eliminate political conversation and also we're going to eliminate all of the reasons we should be having political conversation like racism, sexism, abuse, implications of having inaccessible products that we're building, you know, like so it's just impossible for you to to separate these things in the workplace. So there is good, healthy values-based conversation going on in the workplace. And most of the time it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, like I want to vote, vote for Biden or Trump or somebody else or any like specific political issue. Most of the time it's talking about your workplace or the thing that you're working on or the product that you're building and why those things, why these ideas or these conversations have implications to make your workplace or your product or other things better. So we just can't remove them. And I think it's silly and ridiculous to think that we can or should. Yeah. The, the image that comes to my mind is like essentially a doormat. That's like, leave your racism at the door. And that's like a really nice, really nice sentiment, but like, or what, right. There has to be some, there have to be structures that that challenge the systems that we're all living in, not necessarily even directly, but just the thinking. And I think that when you start to think about bringing your values to work or leaving them at home, there's also, what are you facing at work? What kinds of problems are you solving? What kinds of challenges, you know, culturally or within your client work, if it's an agency, like, and do those benefit from, or rather who benefits from you not bringing your politics to work. Yeah, it's very true. Um, to your question before about what do people do with a situation where they like don't have the luxury to take time off. So I was very lucky to be able to be in a position to where I could have a little bit of time and not have a meaningful, not have meaningful employment and not lose my house and not like not be able to put food on the table and take care of my family. I was in a very lucky position to have some breathing room. The only reason I was in that position is 
A, because I have incredible friends who supported us and B, because I had been like working for a couple of decades <laughs> to buy that time. And it's the first time I've ever had that luxury. It's not the first time I've switched jobs or made a value-based decision that acquired risk or disagreed with an employer and moved on to something else. But it was the first time that I had time and finances to have space. And that was really important for my life and probably like a watershed moment to be able to do. Not everybody has that luxury. Not everybody will have that luxury. I will say that if you can save for the future in an, an intelligent way that allows you to have some space if you need it, whether it's like losing your job unintentionally or not of your choice, or because you need to take some time that is stress-free and financially free. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that if you're working at a place where there, there are a couple of things to unpack here. I am not a person that switches jobs often. I worked at my last place, my last firm for like seven years. I'm a pretty loyal guy who looks at people switching jobs every year or two. And I just like, doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I get that there's, that's the world we live in and that's pretty normal now, but I usually don't advocate for you work at a place that isn't values aligned with you or that isn't perfect and that you just leave and go somewhere else. Like, I don't think that's usually the right choice. Usually you feel a particular way about a particular issue and you're passionate about it because you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be showing up and being a force for change in the place where you work. The difference is if you are in a position where you are unable to do that or are being abused or mistreated because of who you are and the values you have. If that's the case, like it is a scary freaking thing to have to enter the workforce again and finding a job is the worst. It's just the most terrible experience ever. And we could have a whole podcast talking about how terrible hiring is and how, especially in tech, how, um, how two-faced and discriminatory we can be about it. But, um, I think if, if that's the position you're in and your, your values as a human being are diametrically opposed to your employer, then I think make sure you understand what your values are. Do that first. Define them, build a, a you know a compass for them, understand the things that you care about, and then start looking for an employer that matches those values and that exudes them not just in the words that they write, but in the products they build or in how they do business in public, you know. And it, it'll take time and it'll suck and you will still have to show up to your existing job and try to do the best work that you can. But that was one of the values thing for me. It was like, I, I value showing up to work and doing a good job and working hard and not letting other people down. And that doesn't change just because my employer's values don't match mine. Like my values are still the same, you know? Um, and so I think, it's a, it's a hard thing, but I think like define your values first, stick it out where you are, because that's what, you know, you got to pay the bills, but 
find a, an employer that seems aligned to your values and be honest with them about what your values are. Tell them straight up. I tell people straight up, like I, I care about X, Y, and Z. If you can't prove to me during this interview that your hiring practices are designed to reduce bias, then I don't want to continue this conversation. You know, like I would just tell people that straight up because it's a part of my value system. I'd say it in nicer words than that, but. What kind of reactions do you get to that? Because I think that a part of, for me, especially as someone who entered tech not that long ago, I think I, I, I love the idea of that, but I also recognize that there are a lot of people who feel like they could never in a million years imagine showing up to a conversation and just saying that the level of vulnerability, the level of sort of assertiveness that that might take or that they perceive that that might take would be too much. But so I'm, I think I'm not necessarily asking what the worst response you've ever had, but I'm interested in understanding how we can reduce that sort of perceived barrier towards discomfort for, for someone who might be listening and thinking that's, that's awesome, but I couldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this, this concept that I'm about to share applies to a lot of things, especially in the service industry, but working in teams, working cross-functionally across teams, working in client services, interviewing, whatever else. Say what you're thinking, find a respectful way to say it, but just say it. Most of the time we get ourselves in the hot water is when we know we should say something and we don't. This is especially true in in like client conversations, right? You know that the thing that that client wants to do for their health product is a bad idea, but you just don't say it, you know, or you know that this is going to affect timelines and that it'll hurt timelines and that you should say that this is going to hurt our timelines, but you don't say it. That doesn't mean that like you should just liar, liar style, say everything that's on your mind and you know, just be an unfiltered jerk. It means when you know you should say something, find a way to say it and find a way to say it respectfully that thinks the best about the other person and that considers how you would feel if you were hearing those words. That's what I did in, you know, looking for a job. That's what I do with clients. That's what I do with my coworkers. And most of the time it's really well received especially with practice and learning how to say things respectfully and thinking about, you know, being empathetic towards other people in the way that you speak. Most of the time it works out pretty well. And when it doesn't, it's because you're not like aligned with the other person and it's not a good relationship for you to be in anyway, you know? And then sometimes I think it's probably like, like that's pretty dogmatic, like the way I just unpacked it. But sometimes I think things are complicated and I might totally blow it. Like I may have totally gotten that job if I hadn't have said that thing, or I may have totally gotten that client if I hadn't said that thing. But what matters more to me is that I'm living within my values and that I can, I can sleep at night in my integrity, knowing that I'm making those decisions consistently. That matters more than like, I won that project or I, I sold that thing into that client or I got that job, but I did not live according to who I know I am and my values and now what, you know, so. Okay. And, you know, like 
kind of switching it over to like creating and designing products, you know, within technology, how would you say designers, technologists, and product thinkers should like integrate cultural challenges and touchstones into their work? Yeah. So this is the sort of the opposite question for, we were just talking about that, like not having like removing cultural values and cultural challenges from their work is the right thing to do, you know? And I, I, I empathize with folks like Basecamp and, and Coinbase work is hard, you know, and people work is really hard and working through issues of racism and discrimination and the implications for the work that you're doing is really hard work. It really is. It's super worth doing, but it is really hard work. And I, I get where people are coming from when they may, may think like our product is struggling. We don't have as many users as we used to. It seems like we're having a ton of conversations about, uh, the implications of racism, completely forgetting the context of the nation that we're in right now that, it's a super important conversation, but you know, like it just, I, I get where people are coming from. They're like, it's, this is a, um, a distraction. And this is maybe why we're not doing as well as we used to. Maybe that's why it was like, everybody's talking about X thing and not actually focusing on the work. I think that's wrong because what people are doing is figuring out how to a navigate all of these things really well inside of their teams so that they can show up to work. Cause it's really hard for me as a parent of a black child to show up to work when I just watched another video of a black man getting gunned down in the street by a police officer. Like it's really hard for me to show up in that moment and being prevented from bringing that to work and confiding in my coworkers, A, is not healthy for me and B, affects my work so I can't do as good of work. And then also talking about like how these cultural challenges apply to our products, not being able to do that makes your product noticeably worse. And like, we're talking about this a lot at OM recently, we're having like an increased focus on inclusive design, equitable design, accessible design, and how we do that well. And how do we learn from the cultural challenges that we're having right now as a society and apply that to our work? And in some cases, this is like, how do we design more effectively for the blind spots that we have as a team that doesn't have a ton of people of color on it? You know, we do, but I'm talking like generally speaking, not OM, but, you know, in the world. Um, or how do we, you know, perfect example of this is like Twitter launched their their audio tweets probably like a year ago. They fixed it and acknowledged it, but they didn't have any affordances for people who were deaf inside of that feature launch. And it was simply because they like, just didn't embrace a lot of the learnings that were happening that were, that were catalyzed by the cultural challenges that we have as a society conversations at work about how do we design better products for underrepresented communities that may be using our products. So there's some really good work being done right now by Microsoft on how to bring and integrate this sort of thing, like cultural challenges, political things, uh, accessibility into the work. And what they're pushing really hard into now is by making sure those people are not just like you're talking to them, like you're not just talking to somebody who is, 
you know, hearing impaired or talking to a person of color about the camera app you're about to launch that, you know, doesn't white balance properly for their skin type. They're saying like, you should have those people on your teams, period. You know, like that's how you embrace these cultural challenges is you hire them and you put them on your team and you give them a say, not create a policy that says like, we can't talk about these things at work. Cause that's just going to like cascade into like, okay, we can't talk about political things at work. So I'm not going to hire a person who's political on the outside, right? Because they're going to be a problem on this team. So I think embracing it and doing the hard work, having conversations and then directing it towards real problems that you're solving for real people through the products you're building. That's mm-hmm. the way to do it. And to your point, I think it feels so reductive to say you can't do a good job because you also are thinking about something else or, you know, it, it kind of goes back to how we stereotype people who are mothers. Like now that you're a mother, you're a mother. So could you even, could you continue your career as a designer? Could you, how will that impact your work? And then like fathers are, oh, like, you, of course you're going to continue to your career. Like that's a simplified example, but I wonder what conversations within the context of leadership look like when you're sitting in a room with people who are multifaceted and are parents and have interesting hobbies and skills and talents. And they're talking about how if you sort of help people focus on the one aspect of their personality and their human that is of value to the company, uh, that's the best way forward. And I I hope more of these conversations and the ways in which these decision decision making efforts are happening become more public because I'm super curious to know. I mean, I think Basecamp has been a really interesting example where a lot of different voices have come from that company and said, hey, there's more context here. Mm-hmm. And that's always helpful, I think, for the rest of us in growing and learning how to do better work and business and design and all the things. Mm-hmm. You know, to some extent too, it's almost like, you know, we're, we're li- living in a time where like unprecedented insights into police violence against black American communities, a president who has said things I never would have thought I'd hear in my lifetime out of a sitting president, a capital that has been stormed and ransacked by a group of white supremacists. It's not like people are making this stuff up and, and like finding excuses to just be distracted at work. This is the state of the world. It's, it's sort of like, you know, if you back up to 1969 and the moon landing and you tell people like, don't talk about the moon landing at work. You're like, are you crazy? Like we just landed on the moon. This is pretty wild and huge. And it's like, it's everywhere. It's a part of our lives. It's there's no separating this from work, you know, and, and the moon landing is even a bad example because the moon landing doesn't have like implications for our work, but racism does, you know, that has implications for our work and for the products that we build. And so it's even more important to talk about it because it's not just something that's happening on the moon. It's something that's happening in your in your yard. It's something that's happening with the people who are using your products. It's something that's happening in your communities. You know, it's, it's much more close to home than anything like that would be. So not to mention like intrinsic 
motivators are much more powerful than extrinsic motivators and tapping into your team's values and what they care about and leaning into that is much more powerful for doing great work than just saying like, we have goals to hit and we're not going to talk about, you know, politics or values or these other things. Like we're going to keep things as stagnated and sterile as possible and just focus on the work, just focus on the fact that we're treating you like a machine, you know, (laughs) that's not entirely motivating for a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I wonder how you found those conversations go as a leader with a variety of personalities, because I think the three of us really lean towards, you know, being more emotional, sensitive, empathetic, paying attention to maybe what's not being said. I think that's something inherently when you're a designer, you're sort of like, you, you hone that skill, but these conversations have to happen with everybody, right? This is the, this is part of the whole thing. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's any specific questions or kind of like conversation starters that that sounds so cheesy, but you know, ways to break into these conversations with people who might not feel as safe or comfortable, or just might not be oriented towards sharing in the same way, personality wise, role wise, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think so much of this happens in two ways and it's almost always with leadership that creates this environment where this will either go well or not well, or people will feel safe or not safe. Um, it, it is a team thing. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's everybody working together, but it's especially on the shoulders of leadership to do this. Well, like one is whatever leaders do or don't do gives permission to people to either do or not do something. And that seems obvious, but is missed a lot, I think. So if I am vulnerable with my team and I share my values with my team and I, engage in hard conversation with my team and share how I feel and then ask other people to share, other people are more likely to do that. And then the other side of that coin is it's a lot of this is in how you respond to other people when they do open up or when they do share ideas or values and how, or quote unquote, political opinion. Um, What do you do with somebody's heart when they take a piece of it out and show it to you or hand it to you is a very vulnerable thing to do. Most people have been in a situation where they've done that in the past and it hasn't gone well. And you have two choices when someone does that. And one of those is going to lead them to opening up and building deeper relationships with you and building deeper relationships as a team, because they've confided in each other. They've talked about things. They they're more tightly knit as a group and therefore do better work as a group. You know, I think that's one of the things that makes me the saddest about a a move like Basecamp is that I know these people know what makes a good team and how forming strong social bonds happens and what happens when you do and the kind of work that is done when those bonds form. And The answer is not to just shut it all down. The answer is to get better at having those conversations and and get better at helping people do that gracefully, listen gracefully and talk gracefully, right? 
Like that's, that's the thing. It's, it's not to avoid it. It's to get better at it. Yeah. I think we, we couldn't agree more. Uh, I think I can speak for Sarah in saying that. And a lot of what we are excited about doing at Moss and with Moss and through Moss is getting the opportunity to not just sort of take action on a small or introductory level on different things that we we care about. I think something that I will attribute to someone because I think it's it's valuable to do so. Um, we work with a company called Jupiter that is run by a wonderful and brilliant former designer, I believe, at, at Shopify, um, named Helen. And she, a lot of the mission behind what they're doing is to basically help women make money, like women as, as a group of people get better opportunities, uh, freedom can remove themselves from situations that they don't like when they have access to capital and Mm -hmm. at a fundamental level that that applies to so many different groups of people. And so Sarah and I recognized pretty early on, um, in our sort of talking and thinking about Moss that, you know, as an IC, as an individual contributor, as a, you know, even a leader at a, at a bigger company, there would be some amount of power access or privilege that we would get in lifting other people up. But when you start something that's completely self-defined, you really get the opportunity to, to react in real time to the different changes happening and to say, Hey, our goal is to make women more money (laughs) to give them access to to being you know better business tools in the case of jupiter um, or better communities or the knowledge the information to make smarter more strategic choices and that is going to do great things and we're confident in that as a company and then take action (laughs) multiple actions on on that and so we feel really lucky to be able to work with with companies like that and we feel super lucky to have people in the community like you who are just, I mean, it's incredible to come into a conversation and be like, can we ask you anything? And you're like, yep. Like, okay, great. <laughs> Here we go. Let's do it. That's there's, there's something there that uh, it's super inspiring. It's super just want to acknowledge it's, it's hard. It's hard to show up uh, as an open book and, and thoughtfully at the same time, like you said, not just as the liar, liar, say everything you think, but, but there's an intentionality behind uh, what you do and how you do it that Sarah and I both really admire. And I, I think I'm excited for this to share this conversation exactly because of that. So thank you so much, Ben. This has been really wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And we'll definitely link uh, ways to follow Ben on Instagram Twitter, you know, all the social medias, be in touch with him and follow him as well. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about that you're up to or sort of like share? We can, we can link things. We can, we've talked about so much. I feel like there's maybe book recommendations. You don't have to come up with them on the spot, but might try and throw some of those in in the show notes or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, what I've what I've been up to lately, uh, well, OM, I'm really excited about um, the work that we're doing there and beginning to collaborate with some really incredible leaders in the space of accessible, inclusive design, because I think that's 
that is something that like we've been working really hard over the last few months to decide our values as a company and what we think is our value proposition to the outside world and building products that are considerate of each user that will eventually, or each person rather, that will eventually use them is the like rallying cry of the team right now and getting really good at that and finding our own blind spots and understanding the ways that we need to be better as designers. Um, and then hopefully getting to a place where we're like building on that body of knowledge is, is what gets me out of bed right now. That's what I'm the most excited about in terms of books, man, I have so many books to tell people to read the, uh, business books. I, I read my, my trifecta are pretty well known, you know, it's radical candor leaders eat last and daring greatly. Those are like my business Bible, you know, sort of things. Um, read the over story. It has nothing to do with business, but it's a beautiful book about trees and you should read it. That one's really great. Um, I have a list of books. I think it's linked on my Twitter right now of important books to read regarding social justice and racial justice. Educate yourself about, uh, especially if you're a person like me, a white male, educate yourself about your privilege and what that means and what you should do with it. So I've got a lot of resources there if you want to check it out. But yeah, I think that's it. Thank Great. you. Yeah, Thanks. we'll be sure to link that specific tweet too. Yeah, cool. Perfect. Well, we hopefully we can have you back again sometime in a less uh, surreal life time. Maybe we can have <laughs> you record a podcast of this in person. In oh my person. Gosh. Are you vaccinated? I'm vaccinated. I'm yeah. vaccinated. Yeah. 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 Let's do Feeling it. Good. Feeling good. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Next time. Next time we'll be in person, all vaxxed up. It'll be amazing. Thanks again, Ben. <laughs> of course. Bye.